Yeah, it's such a pleasure and a blessing to be with you guys once again. You know, I've just got a huge heart um, in general for just the next generation, uh, which I, I view as you. And uh, some of you guys may look at me and be like, oh, you don't look too old yourself there. But, uh, you know, yeah, I'm not that old, but uh, I am a little older than you guys. Um, you know, I'm on the other side of 30. I don't know, it's hard to believe, but... Uh, um, but yeah, you know, I, uh, a little bit about me. Before I came to Philly, back in the States, I was in the ministry for several years. I was a youth pastor for a while, and I was a worship pastor. And then, uh, and then I served at a house of prayer. I don't, I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with the house of prayer ministry, but I served at an IHOP for about a year and a half, uh, where you can support as a missionary. Uh, before I came uh, to, to Korea to serve uh, specifically in New Philly. Um, but yeah, so the next generation is just, you know, it's, it's a huge burden on my heart just to see uh, a generation of Jesus lovers, a generation of people who are abandoned, sold out, devoted to Christ, arise in this age, in this in this hour. Um, and and what I really want to see in particular is I want to see people who not only get passionate about the Lord, like when it's easy to get passionate about God. I feel like when you're in youth group, it's like so easy to be on fire for the Lord, you know, because you go to these retreats and maybe you're younger and you're more impressionable. But like it's like, oh, I give my life to you, God, and then and then later in life. You know, for, for whatever reasons, people turn away and fall away from God. And uh, I just want to say it's totally possible to be on fire for God all throughout your life. Amen? I remember when I first lifted my hands to worship God, I was in, I was in seventh grade. Uh, that was like the kind of stage in life where, you know, when you're in Sunday school, for those of you who grew up in the church, they, they, they don't really, I mean, they teach you how to worship God, but they give you the motions for the songs. And so it's like, oh man, I forgot the motions. It's like, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love seeing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. And like, it's like, they kind of told you what to do about them. But I remember in seventh grade, I went to retreat and they didn't give us motions. Like, we had to make up the motions ourselves. And it was during those times when I saw people lifting their hands to God. And I'd be like, wow, that's really creepy. That's really weird. But then like, it was that time that God called my heart really powerfully. And I remember lifting my hands to God. It was to a song called Shout to the Lord. I don't know if you guys know the song. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. And then there's a chorus. There you go. No matter I'll love you. No matter I'll stand. Forever I'll stand. You know, um, oh, oh what are the last words of the song? Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. And remember, I was like, I was like, y'all know it. You know, it's timeless. When I was like in seventh grade, I remember I was like on my knees like this, singing like this. And, and I bet like, I bet I look really cute because, you know, I was like a lot smaller, like glasses. I was like, I was like, um, but yeah, you know, one thing I'm really proud of, um, it's nothing really to do with my message, message but I'm, I'm going to share it with you guys anyway to challenge you. I'm really proud that I'm still on fire for Jesus at the age of 32. You know, it's not like I didn't have my struggles. I went through stuff in my life, but I can say with honesty before God, I've continually sought after him. I've continually burned in my heart. I've continually sought the Lord. And, uh, and man, like I, I, I want to see a generation like that. I want to see a generation that doesn't just follow Jesus when it's easy, but continues to seek after him and pursue after him with all your heart. A generation that understands, man, that, oh God, you know, a generation that seeks to live the first commandment, the first great commandment now of loving the Lord your, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so um, it's so a little bit about me, a little bit of my passion, you know, in ministry to see a generation like that raised up. And I believe in is that kind of generation. Amen? Man, you all don't understand, especially for some of you who are new to this ministry. So many mighty men and women of God have come out of this ministry. You know, your, your campus director, Tina, she came out of this ministry. So many people here. And, and so, um, 
I believe God's doing a powerful work in each and every one of you. And as Sharon shared earlier before about how, you know, like, it's not over. It's not over, guys. God's still going to do something powerful tonight. He's going to do something powerful next week. And so open your hearts to what God can do. Because he wants to touch you. He wants to move in you radically. And he wants to bring revival and awakening and fire into your hearts. He wants to make you passionate. He wants to make you passionate. <laughs> I'm talking like Golem from Lord of the Rings. Um, he wants to make you... Ah, there I do it again. Okay. You're, the God's plan for your life is passion. Yeah. And that's what Emmaus is born out of. It's born out of a ministry vision where, you know, our hearts are burning, you know, for God. And so I want to just speak over you. No matter what your temperament is, no matter what your personality is, God wants you to burn for Jesus. And you should settle for nothing less in your life. And you should do whatever it takes in your life to reach that point. Pay whatever cost. Because only in that place will you be fully happy and fully joyful. In the place of full surrender, burning for the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's t uh, open up to Matthew chapter 14. Verses 25 to 33. Matthew chapter 14, actually verse 22 to 33. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Matthew 14, verses 22 to uh, 33. All right. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for tonight. Let me just say a really quick prayer, and then we'll just get on with it. Father, I just thank you so much for tonight. God, may your word, oh Lord, run swiftly over every person's heart, God. God, would you just remove everything that's distracting uh, our hearts and minds at this moment. And Father, I just pray there to be a clear channel, there be open ears, open eyes to encounter you tonight through your word. So, Father, I thank you for each person here, Lord. And I thank you that you have a word for each and every person. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, I really love this story. Um, it's a very personal story to me um, and perhaps to many of you guys in your lives. Um, a story that, you know, just really encourages faith. A story about foolish faith. Foolish faith. Like, I look at the part where it says, um, you know, where... Uh, you know, after the part where they crowd in fear, thinking that Jesus is a ghost, and Jesus says, hey, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And then Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And I, I mean, we read it like that, but I kind of imagine it this kind of way. Like, you know, Peter, he's kind of known to be the hothead of the group, right? Of the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles. He's the kind of guy who, like, puts his foot in his mouth all the time. He's the kind of guy in the, in, in the group that's just very impulsive and just rushes to things and doesn't really do a lot of thinking. He's just a guy that's very passionate and just 
all passion but no brains, you know? And so I imagine it was like during this time that, you know, when Jesus said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. He got so excited. He's like, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And he was like, what did I just say right now? I wish I could take that back. No, please don't tell me to come to you on the water. And um, and what I love about it is Jesus is like, man, no one ever in the history of humanity has ever asked that of me, you know, like walking on water. Um, you know, it's like what I love about the story is that Jesus doesn't respond like that. You know, Jesus doesn't respond like, wait, what are you talking about, Peter? Like, that's so stupid. You know, he's he's not like, Peter, um, you don't have the gift for walking on water, okay? You know, <laughs> you know, don't try it. You know, Peter, be a little wiser. Peter, be, be a little smarter. But I just love Jesus. And I love uh, his response. And his response is just encapsulated in one word. And that word is come. Come. And like, that's crazy. Let's think about that. Let's think about that. Like, Peter is asking something so, like, oh my goodness, ridiculous. Like, ridiculous. Like, if this was a ministry situation, it would be, it would be very bad, you know? Like, if, if a pass, if a, if, if, like, let's say you were on a boat on a lake with your pastor and, and you went to your pastor and you're like, hey pastor, I wanna just, can I walk in the water? And like, and like, what would your pastor say to you, you know? Think about that. If he told you, yeah, go ahead, walk in the water. I'm telling you, there'd be like, he'd be sued, you know, for like a guy drowning to death in his, in his church. I mean, it's just the most ridiculous thing. But Jesus, nevertheless, he welcomes that idea. You know, he, he entertains that idea. He like considers it and he actually invites him to come out. You know, we think of Jesus as like this man, like, we think of Christianity as like this comfortable religion as like, you know, like, oh man, I've just got my Jesus here and we're going to just, you know, we're just going to pray together in our little prayer room and, you know, and I'm just going to be in his presence, sing songs to him all day long and I'm going to lift up my hands, you know. And, but like, Christianity is like, Jesus is dangerous. Like, he's really dangerous. I mean, like, and so, because like, who, who in the right man would, would command that? Who in the right man would entertain that thought? But Jesus says, come. And then, um, and then Peter gets down on the boat and like, I bet in his mind, he's like, what am I doing right now? Like, is this a dream? It's like that water, it's really water. You know, it's not like ground. You know, I see the waves and, you know, I, I imagine like what he did, how he responded. But uh, eventually he gets down out of the boat and he begins to walk on water. And so um, there's three points I want to take out of the story that I want to challenge you guys with um, tonight. Um, the first point, and I'm making, and I made it, if I didn't make it very clear already, um, is this. And I'm just going to say the point first. God welcomes the big dream. God welcomes the big dream. You know, when we all have these dreams, we all have these aspirations, we all have these crazy ideas in our hearts. And I just, you guys need to understand that, like, God, he doesn't shun them, you know? God doesn't shut you down. He doesn't, he doesn't, like, speak down to you. But rather, God is the kind of God who loves crazy ideas. I mean, look at this story. You know, like, this is as crazy idea as you can get. But God is the kind of God, is a God who loves these kind of crazy ideas. And so, um, God welcomes a big dream. Um, you know, he is a God who says, bring it. You know, whenever we come to him with our own desires and plans, God doesn't shut us down. But God is a God who says, bring it, bring it. 
And I feel like God is a God, um, through scripture, when we read, what we see of God, is that God is a God who finds it refreshing when we come before him in an attitude and the spirit of faith. When we truly believe that he is God, when we truly believe, uh, when we truly take him seriously. And so, um, number one, God welcomes the big dream. God welcomes the big dream. Um, and now, you may be wondering, like, okay, you know, what is this big dream? And let me ask you that, like, what is the big dream in your heart? I mean, you, all, you guys all carry these desires. You, all, you guys all carry these longings. Like, like, what is it in your heart? And I'm sure, like, many of you guys had these dreams at one time, and you just were like, oh, man, oh, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's not for me. It's not for me. But I, today, I want to put to death that mentality that's never going to happen. Like, look at Scripture. Like, what kind of p- picture the Scripture paint of God? Picture paints a picture of God saying, it can happen if you just have faith. It can happen if you believe. And some of these dreams for us are just like, hey, one day I want to, I want to be an actor, you know, or I don't know, one, one day I want to start my own company, you know, um, and maybe some of these dreams are more personal. You know, my dream is just overcoming this sin in my life, this habitual sin. My dream is overcoming pornography addiction. My dream is overcoming cigarette addiction. Whatever it is, I want to tell you, that God, his response and his cry to your desire for that, it's not, it's never going to happen, but his desire and his response is come. Come. You can do it. It's just one word, very simple. Come. You can walk on water. And when I look at, when I think about Peter and I just think about that situation, like, guys, you don't need anything to accomplish these kind of dreams or these desires. You, I mean, you don't need a crazy education to walk on water, quote-unquote. Um, you don't need connections. You don't need to be gifted. You don't need to have all this stuff. All you need is God, and you have him already in your relationship with him. The only question is, are you going to take, take that seriously, or are you just going to treat that like just, hey, I, you know, it's a thought in my head, but I don't know if I really believe in it. And I feel like tonight, especially to this point, God really wants to challenge you guys to take that step from just thinking about it in your head to actually having it in your heart and really believing it and having faith and taking God seriously when he says come. And so the first point I want to share with you guys is that God welcomes the big dream. He doesn't shut down the big dream. He welcomes the big dream. Man, you guys need to believe in yourselves. Amen? Believe in yourselves not because you guys are anything great. Well, I mean, you guys are awesome. You guys are great. Believe in yourself because you have a God inside of you who is great. You have the spirit of the living Christ inside of you. You have resurrection power inside of you. Like, you've got more power inside of you than all the nuclear warheads in the, all, in the earth combined together. Like, you have God inside of you. Like, you would be stupid, you know, on that context, not to believe in yourself. I wish I knew that when I was in college. Man, when I was in college, I didn't have a ministry like Emmaus speaking identity over me, speaking identity that I was a son of the Lord and, you know, and that he loved me. I mean, man, when I was growing up in the Korean church, you know, it's like I, I, they would always like put me down, you know, it's like, hey, you're, you, you know, you're, you're not good enough. You're too short, you know, or, or you're like too, uh, um, you can't speak well. You're not, you're not this gift. You're not that. And honestly, like, like, I just didn't think I was, like, good enough. I didn't really believe in myself. And I had friends 
who attended like these crazy colleges. You know, I had friends who attended Harvard and whatnot. And, and I remember like we were hanging out and they were like talking about the things they would invent while still in college. <laughs> you know, they're like, yeah, we, you know, we want to try to find a way to make these wireless receivers, um, you know, and, you know, for our, you know, our, our rowing team, you know, Harvard has a very good rowing team. And so like one of my friends had an idea of inventing this crazy thing for that. Anyways, they had all these like crazy ideas. And I just remember just looking at them and being like, I wish I had that confidence in me, you know? Because I remember being so insecure. But, um, but like then, I, I wish I believed in myself more because I feel like if I did, I wouldn't have wasted, you know, my college years. But I would have really walked in that knowledge and done amazing things through God. Um, and so, like, I want to challenge you, like, yeah, you know, you guys have so much stuff in you that God wants to bring about, God wants to bring to life. And you guys can really change the world. And so, um, Partner with God in that, because God welcomes the big dream. And it's time that you guys arise. Especially with the capabilities these days, available to every single person in the world, you know, with online connectivity, internet media. Like, there's really no excuses now, you know? Anyone can change the world. Anyone can change the world for Jesus. And uh, anyone can change himself. Um, but yeah... Dream big, guys. As you guys wrap up the semester, dream big. Because God welcomes it. He's the God who says, come. He's not the God who says, you're not good enough. But he says, come. Think about it. This was even before Peter, you know, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, this was Peter who was impetuous. Peter who was immature, brash. You know, talked too much. But God still welcomed him and said, come. He didn't go like, when Peter said, can I walk to you on the water? God didn't, Jesus didn't go, um, not you. Maybe John, you know. John's a bit more mature. But he said, yeah, Peter, go ahead. I, you know, I celebrate. I just clapped my hands for, for the recording. Okay. Um, uh, I just, uh, I celebrate that. You know what? Come, come. And, uh, and out of all the apostles, many of whom were probably more mature than Peter were, Peter got the, the enviable distinction and, you know, um, identity of being the first person, probably, and I think the only person in human history to ever walk on water. Unless some of us get to do that one day. We'll see. But God welcomes the big dream, and it's not about you. It's about him. But take God seriously, because the only thing God's saying, he's not saying no, but he's saying come, come, come. Permission to dream big. Everyone say permission to dream big. Mm, amen. Um, all right, point number two. Okay, now you have this dream, and now you have this desire and these longings in your heart that you can bring before God, and you have the confidence in your heart that God's going to say, come, and not, he's not going to say anything else. What do you have to do now? You need to step out of your boat. Oh, ouch. You need to step out of your boat. I want you to hammer that in quite literally. Um, so everyone write, step out of your boat. I said read, write it, not say it, but if you want to say it for extra highlight, go ahead. Um, like a lot of us carry a dream and a lot of us carry, you know, this idea, but there's very few of us who actually go out and do it. There's very few of us who actually take the time to, and take the step of faith to step out of the boat because it's really uncomfortable stepping out of the boat. It's really crazy when you think about it, to step out of the boat, um, um, but this is the time where you need to take a stand, where you need to muster the faith in your heart and, and, and do it. Put that faith to action because God is saying, come. Um, you know, one thing I want you to 
talk about is that I feel like one of the lies across Christianity today that the enemy using to deceive us and attack us is a lie that like, hey, you're still young. You can do it later. You don't need to do it now. You can do it later. Have you guys heard of C.S. Lewis? A very well-known author. I'm sure we've all heard of him. He wrote a, a book called The Screwtape Letters. You guys read Screwtape Letters? And so there's a part in Screwtape Letters where, you know, it's about like an elder demon and like this trainee demon, you know? And the elder demon is kind of counseling the trainee demon how to go about and, and wreck havoc on, havoc on, on Christianity. <laughs> um, havoc, okay. Um, and, uh, and I think one thing that really I've always remembered from that exchange is uh, the elder demon telling the younger demon, hey, it's okay to actually encourage people to have passion. You know, It's okay to encourage believers and Christians to be passionate for the Lord. That's fine. Um, just as long as they do it later. Just as long as they put that passion to faith later. You know? And so, you know what? Encourage the passion. Encourage the desire. Encourage the fire. You know, encourage them to go out to revivals and retreats. And you know, encourage them to go up for every altar call as long as you stoke a greater fire in their heart actually for doing things later. Not now, though. You know, just like they can be passionate, but get them to a place where, oh, yeah, you know, I'm passionate, but the things that I have to walk out, things that I have to actually do, you can do them later. Why not? Why, why now? You know, you're still young. You still got a lot more learning to do. You know, you, who do you think you are? You know, be humble. You know, be smart. Like, don't just be rash and, 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 uh, and you know, careless. Like, take your time. Think about it a bit more. And then maybe later you can do it. Later you can do it. Later you can do that. Later you can do this. And guys, like, you have to understand, like, one of the biggest spiritual arrows, like, that will fire into your heart, is that arrow. Like the sound effect. It's like, he just wants you, the devil, all he wants to do is get you guys to do things later. Not now, but later. And later becomes later. Later becomes later. Later becomes later. And then you'll find out that it, at a certain point, you're like 32 now. <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm not pointing to me, but I'm just saying, I'm just trying to explain that, man, life flies by like this, guys. Life flies like this. And that's the devil's point. Like, he just wants, devil is the eternal time waster. He is the eternal and, and the, the most infernal time waster. <laughs> so that, because, and that's the reason why you guys go into your room and you're like, you know, I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to read my Bible, but first let me check the news. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm getting you guys. Oh, actually, you go on YouTube, and YouTube is so diabolical because they know your search your search habits, so they, they recommend videos to you. They, they know you'll probably click on. And so you go on YouTube, you're like, oh, oh, just this one. Oh, just this one. Just this one. And then before you know it, it's like 11 p.m., and you haven't done your quiet time. You haven't saw time with God yet. And you're like, oh, I got to go to sleep. I'll just wake up two hour morning early, you know, and do it. You know? And that doesn't happen. Like, the devil is like the eternal time waster. I mean, Facebook. Even Facebook. Oh my gosh! You know, I wish I could just shut off the feed sometimes. You know, because I don't just go on Facebook to look on people to, to look at people's stuff. You know, I like I go on Facebook to use messaging services for ministry and things like that. And I find that when I go on Facebook, I'm about to click on the messages, but I see something, <laughs> and I'm like, oh! <laughs> and then before I know it, I even forgot why I got on Facebook in the first place. Have any of you guys happened to you? Oh, okay, it's not just me. It's not just me getting old, right? Okay. Oh, so diabolical, you know these these things. And so, like, the devil is, is like that. He's not that much more different. He does that with your life, you know? When you need to do something, we need to get an action done. We need to get rid of a sin or a hang-up and a habit. We need to act on a certain decision. He's going to try to throw everything in the kitchen sink at you to not get you to do those things. And he'll, and he'll just comfort you by saying, you can do it later. It's not that urgent. No one's going to die. Except you, <laughs> dying slowly, you know, unless you go about it and do it. 
I mean, it's true. Let's be real. Let's be real. You know, you're like, your eternal inheritance is getting wasted and getting squandered and, and time being wasted. You guys, time is your most precious asset. Let me tell you that. All right? From someone in the generation before you guys, let me tell you straight up, time is your most favorite precious asset. Don't waste your time. Because when you waste your time, you waste your life. And that's what the devil loves to do. He wants to take away those opportunities. He wants to take away every potential that you guys have. And so um, he's going to cause you guys to, to delay stuff. And so getting back to the point, step out of your boat. I think for some of you guys, it's time you start stepping out of your boat. Amen? And you know what boats you guys are in. Some of you have boats about, you know what? My boat is, um, you know, um, like, let's say in your prayer life. It's like, stepping out of the boat means actually means me waking up early in the morning, going to sleep early at night and waking up early in the morning to, to, to spend time with God. That's what stepping out of the boat means, you know? But you're like, hey, I could do it later, right? I could do that later. You know, I'll do it next week. Oh, I'll do it next week. I'll do it next week. And then it's like, I, and then it's like, oh, it's the retreat. It's the retreat. Oh, I'll do it after the retreat. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I've been so blessed by the retreat. I don't need to do it. I'll do it the week afterwards. And it just becomes a cycle, cycle, cycle. You get jaded, then you start hating God when really, it's yourself to blame. Okay, anyways. And then, so you got that. So some of you guys, stepping out of the boat means stepping out of some certain, certain habits and addictions. All right? Now, you know, um, some of us struggle with certain addictions. Okay, and it's not just pornography. It's like, it's like, you're addicted to TV, you're addicted to video game, you're addicted to, um, cigarettes. Like, this age we live in is an addiction crazy age, you know? And like, in your heart, you convince yourself, like, you know, I'm really free. You know, I, I, I don't have to do this. You know, it's just, you know, I could get over it anytime. And then, before you know it, one year turns to two, two years turns to three. And then before you know it, you're like, man, you gotta really, Grapple with it. It's really an issue in your life. It's causing you to, you know, jack your life up. And you gotta actually step out of the boat. You gotta actually do that. Um, for some of you guys, it's, it's just this dream. It's this calling that God has for your life. So some of you, he's called you to full-time ministry. Yeah. You're like, uh-oh, uh-oh, I'm not hearing this, not me. Some of you guys, he's called you guys to full-time ministry. But you're like, you know what? No, I don't want to be a pastor. You know, I want to be an engineer, you know? Um, watch you, who would say that, right? Engineering is so difficult and tough from what I hear. Not to bash any engineers here. Uh, it's like, no, I want to, like, be in the marketplace, you know? I want to make lots of money, you know? I don't want to be comfortable, you know? That's like its own boat to step out of. But it's like some of us, there's a calling and there's a, a thing God is calling you to do. But you don't want to step out of your boat. Um, and so... um what I'm trying to ask you guys is that I want to try to plead with you guys and charge you guys to do is it's time finally to stop delaying. Stop delaying stuff. Do it. You guys, uh, oh, what's that? What's that, uh, actor? Um, Shia LaBeouf. You guys watch that video? Do it! <laughs> you know? Who, <laughs> yeah. you guys watch that? The other guys have no idea what I'm talking about. Actually, watch it. I speak of, t take it from me. I'm a pastor. I'm telling you to watch a video. It's actually really good. It motivates me too. You know, I watch it, and he's like, "Do it! Just do it! Do it! You, yes, you can! Do it! 
I mean, he does like this weird thing at the end. Um, but like, honestly, I look at that, I find that really refreshing. Because as a pastor, sometimes I, I counsel people, I minister to people, and honestly, it's like, oh, pastor, I love this, I love that, I love this. And, and honestly, I'm just, I just want to tell them, be quiet. <laughs> you know, and I just want them to say, and I just want to scream in their face, just do it. Just do it. There's nothing holding you back. You know, it's not like you're tied to a chair. You're free. You know, like there's nothing stopping you. Just do it. I've drilled this point home longer than I think I should have. Step out of your boat. Okay. How much time do I have? Oh, plenty. Okay. Woo. All right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, and so like even when I think about this Emmaus semester, I, you know, maybe there's some of you who are just like, man, this semester's been on fire, you know? You know, it's like, all you can see is fire, you know? It's like, oh, you know? You're like, you walk in tongues to class, and, you know, it's like, da, 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 da. you know? Actually, we all should be doing it at some level, you know? You maintain intimacy with God, so I don't want to bash that. But it's like some of us were on fire. But maybe there's some other of us who's just like, man, I still haven't seen it yet, you know? I still haven't seen the signs and wonders. I still haven't seen that. I still haven't seen that. And I just want to ask you, like... Perhaps maybe it's because you haven't stepped out of your boat yet. You know, perhaps you've just stayed in your boat of just being an observer and analyzer and critiquer, and you haven't actually stepped out of your boat into a place of humility and being open and maybe seeing, maybe God, maybe you're in this. Maybe some of you guys, you know, stepping out of your boat means coming up forward for an altar call, you know, and receive prayer, but you're instead you're like, mm, I, I got this all figured out. There's some scam, you know, it's some Christian charismatic scam, you know, I, you know, Maybe some of you guys stepping out of boat means like, wait, maybe I'll reserve a, a, a small possibility this isn't a scam and come forward and see what God has to offer me. Um, the breakthrough is in your hands. God has given you everything. You cannot blame the staff. You cannot blame the church. You cannot blame Yonsei. Um, I mean, yeah. Like, the breakthrough is in your hands. You have the power and potential. Sometimes I feel like the greatest retreats and revivals I go to are not the ones where, like, I just cry a river, you know, towards God. Or, like, where I just get, like, you know, on fire for God and I get slain and I'm like, ah, la, 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 you know. Uh, you know, those are not, like, the times where I, I get the most blessed. Often those are the times where I, I actually backslide pretty quickly after that. Um, and the times where I got blessed, a lot of the times were actually, you know, it was like, it was just very sobering moments in my life where God confronted me, you know, step out of your boat, you know? And it was just moments where I was just, I just sat in my chair. But then this time around, when I went back home, I actually did it. I stepped out of my boat and voila! But, you know, breakthrough came. I sensed the presence of God mysteriously in my heart more, you know, when I step out in courage and boldness, doing things that make me uncomfortable, but, but actually bring me life and actually set me free when it comes down to it. And so, um, you know, I think Sharon's message is prophetic. It's not over. Um, but it becomes over when you stay in your boat. And you don't want that to happen. You don't want to stay in your boat, you know, these remaining time you have remaining here. Um, but, you know, I feel like God challenges me. You guys got to step out of the boat. Step out of the boat. Let's walk on water. Give me something to work with. Step out of your boat. Okay, point number three. Um, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. I love my points. They're so blunt. There's no, there's no like poetry to it. There's no eloquence to it. It's like step out of your boat. Point number three, look at Jesus. 
when it comes down to it, the truth is the truth, right? You know, no matter, no matter how much I try to embellish it, right? Um, congrats! You're walking on water. You're actually walking on water. And you may find yourself like, wow, you know, like, this is, this is cool. Like, I'm actually, I'm actually a little free from certain things that have entangled me in my life before. I feel a measure of freedom. I can breathe a bit. Wow. Or, you know, it's like, man, I've started incorporating new things in my life to make sure and ensure that I have uh, an intimate, a more intimate relationship with God. Man, this is really cool. You start walking on water, and it's, it's always easy, you know, and, you know, to get to that point and, and, and do that. Until adversity comes. Until the storms in your life comes. So in one hand, in one sense, we should not be surprised when storms come our way. When things, when things start to shake. When things start to like shake that reality of you walking on the water. We should not be surprised. We should not be, you know, confused. Be like, God, what's happening? You know, like it's actually going to come. All right. You are going to face hardship in, in your life. All right. You're going to face opposition. Um, if not from the world, uh, definitely from the devil, because the devil is a real person and he wants to get you. But don't be scared, okay? Don't be scared, um, because he who is in you is greater than the one outside of you. Um, because the only thing that you need to do, and it's very easy, is keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You see, the only way that you sink, the only way that you stop being able to walk on water is when you start taking your eyes off God, taking, taking your eyes off Christ, and start looking at the wind. Start looking at other factors in your life. That's the only way. Because I tell you, when you look at Jesus, you're going to walk on water. There's no stopping that. You're going to walk on water. And you know, I like how they talk about the wind. You know, it's the wind that distracted him. You know, it wasn't like, like, I don't know, it wasn't like some huge... Thunderbolt went, you know, and just, it wasn't something like so huge and monumental and so crazy. It wasn't like, I don't know, I'm being silly. It wasn't like some boat appeared out of thin air and just ran Peter, you know, and he just like, as he's walking in water, boom, you know, and, and he started sinking. It was something as subtle, it's a little weird, I know, um, it's something subtle as the wind. It's like, whoo. And you know, like, that's the thing. That's the thing. Because the moment we start sinking, it's not the huge stuff that actually ca- causes us to sink. But it's the subtle things in life that causes us to sink. It's that time when, when you know you made an appointment with God, and you, and, but, but for some reason, your friends are like, hey, don't worry about that. You can do that later. Let's go watch a movie right now, and let's just like hang out at my house. And you're like, okay. And you go watch a movie, and, it, and, and you go, you watch a TV series, and it's called Breaking Bad, and, and you, and you watch Breaking Bad, and you're like, oh, this is so good. And then you guys stay up until 4 a.m. at night, and then you're hooked and addicted, and, and you can't stop watching the whole series through, and during that time span, you've taken your eyes off Jesus. Something so subtle as that. And so, what I'm trying to tell you guys is that you guys need to guard your relationship with Jesus. You need to look at Jesus. You need to prize that. No compromise. Okay? Because it's when you start making those little compromises that these little cracks in your, in your, in the foundation that's your relationship with God, these little cracks turn to bigger cracks, bigger cracks, and then you'll come to a place where you'll start sinking. And then, and then in your heart, you'll like, I don't know, you'll blame God, but really, it's like, it's, it's really on us to keep our, our, our eyes on Jesus. Jesus is always there. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, there is nothing that we cannot do. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, nothing is impossible.
Nothing is impossible. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. If there's anything that I can communicate to you guys tonight, is look at Jesus. You look at Jesus, you will walk on water. Um, but the moment you, you look at the wind, then you'll start to sink. But if you look at Jesus, nothing will ever be impossible for you. Um, what's beautiful about our walk with God is that, uh, you know, if if Christianity was a game, you know, like like let's say you're like a, a batter and you, and you and you know and God's throwing you like baseballs and you know you got to hit the ball, you know. For me personally, I feel like I would have struck out a long time ago. <laughs> You know, I feel like I would have been out of the game. I feel like I would have just been knocked out. You know, um, I can say so much times in my life, um, I don't know what you guys think of me when you see me. You only think of me as like this, you know, this, uh, this media pastor, you know, you know, these videos or, or this, as you're sharing as a guitar player or whatever, you know, um, but like, man, I, I failed so much in my life, you know, like I failed tremendously. And this was after I accepted Christ, you know, like, I have totally messed up so many times in my life. But what's beautiful about Jesus is that he never gives up on you. No matter how low you think you fall in. Like, I am the biggest sinner in this room. I, I am. Just by, but just by my age. I think I'm the oldest, you know? <laughs> you guys are like, no, I'm worse than you. Well, you don't know me, you know what I mean? You don't know the things that I've done, you know? Like, I, oh man. Oh man, you know, like, I'm grateful for that this fear of God that I have, but it's like, yeah, but you know what? Like, Jesus has never given up on me. Yeah. He's never given up on me, and, and he will never, and he will never give up on me. You know, like, I will still continue to walk in the water. I will still continue to sink at times in my life, but I'm bolstered by the faith that no matter how many times that happens, God's never going to be like, ah, oh, can't you get it right? All right, I can move on to someone else. But God's going to continue to believe in me, believe in me, believe in me, and cause me to overcome, overcome, overcome. And just like he continued to believe in Peter, you know, this rash, rockhead, you know, this knucklehead Peter. And Peter became this amazing father of the church, you know, amazing apostle. The same guy on the day of Pentecost led 3,000 people to Christ with his message. God took his weaknesses, turned it into his strengths, anointed put fire on it, and just like that, the kingdom of God moved powerfully through him. Completely different person. I believe God's doing that in me. And I believe God's doing that in each and every one of you guys. And so, Peter looks at the wind, and he starts sinking. He starts sinking. And he says, Lord, save me. What does Jesus do? Jesus immediately takes out his hand, grabs him by the wrist. At least I think it's the wrist. I like to think it's the wrist. And, and holds him. He says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And he lifts him back up. And they go into the boat together. But that's Jesus. You know? Like, when I see that, I just see tenderness in the eyes of Christ. You know? He's like, oh, I'm actually really proud of you that you actually did that. You know? I see the eyes of a father, you know, loving his son, being like, oh, I'm so proud of you. Oh, come on. That's great. You know, like, let's, let's do that again. You know, like, you know, I just kind of see that kind of heart behind him. That's, that's God's heart towards you guys. And I feel like some of you guys 
have already stepped out of the boat many times in the past before, and you've been sinking. Um, and some of you guys may be walking on the water, that's great, but maybe some of you guys are in a place where you're sinking, and, you know, you've given up on yourself, you know? It's like, it's like you're just sinking slowly. You know, I failed too much in the past before. I don't want to disappoint God again. But Jesus, that's not his heart towards you. When you say, Lord, save me, when you just say that, it says Jesus immediately. Immediately he comes. He doesn't wait. You know, he's not a God who just delays. You know, he's not a God who wants you to suffer and suffer. He wants to deliver you out of that. And he's a God who immediately comes and lifts you back up and will continue to lift you back up again and again and again and again because he's faithful to the work that he started in you. And he will complete the work that he started in you. Because ultimately, it's not about you, per se. I mean, he loves you. But really, God is faithful to himself. God is faithful to himself. Whatever God starts, he's perfect. He, he completes and he finishes. And I don't care what you guys are going through or what, what, what mountains are in front of you, God's going to complete that work. And God's going to leave you as, as someone who's able to walk on the waters with your eyes firmly fixed on Christ, being so mature that the, w- the wind doesn't bother you, it doesn't distract you, the waves don't bother you, they don't distract you. Can you guys have that vision for your life right now where you see yourself walking in complete victory and complete freedom because that's what God has for you. Will you agree with that? Will you receive that? God doesn't give up on you guys. Um, yeah. I just want to end with this last point. When you look at verse 32 to 33, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped and saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And, um, yeah, you know, like, my, 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 what was my first point? God welcomes the big dream, right? And the second point, step out of the boat. Third point is look at Jesus. Um, you know, like, we have these goals, we have these dreams, and we have these things, you know. But what's beautiful about our walk with Christ is that even those things, they become very secondary at the end of the day. You know, they, those things be, become very minuscule. They, they serve as a, they're not the end, you know? They serve as a means to a greater end. And, uh, and what I find beautiful in my life is that when, man, when I've reached that mountaintop, when I've, when I've overcome, when I started walking on the water, you know, it's not so much the fact that I'm walking on water that, you know, that actually I get excited about, even though it's pretty cool. But it's the fact that, like, I can say to God, to Jesus, truly, you are the Son of God. Like, truly. Like, I thought I knew you before, but I, I don't know you anymore. You know, like, you really are the Son of God. It brings me back into a deep place of intimacy, knowing God. And you know what that does to my heart? It makes my heart come alive. When you know God like that, it's game breaker. Nothing stands in your way in your life. It's your personal testimony. Um, high five to Bernadette, my timekeeper in the back. You know, um, one of the greatest decisions in my life was that, uh, was me making a transition back in the States from being a, a paid pastor. Because I used to, you know, go to church and get confiscated by the church. And then when God challenged me, Joel, I want you to give some of your life 
to not getting paid anymore, but actually being a support-raising missionary. And get this, not in some other country, but back in New Jersey, you know? Like, be a missionary for the prayer movement. Like, tell people that you're going to give your life to help build a 24-7 house of prayer intercession that would minister over the metro area night and day, day and night, 24-7. You know, um, tell people that you're going to do that, and uh, and you're going to live off whatever people give you when you, t- when, you t- when you tell them that vision. For me, I grew up always, like, I grew up with... um very well sheltered. I grew up very well provided for. I never was ever in a place where I had to ask people for for something. And it was in a season when actually my dad passed away, and he was like a senior pastor. He died from colon, he died from cancer, and um, and my mom was just like, this was the last thing she wanted to hear at that time. You know, he's like, your dad would never have wanted you to do something like this. He wants you to become a senior pastor, not go around begging people for money to build some house of prayer in New Jersey. But then I felt God called me to do that. And I remember I would, I would just be on my knees in my room, thinking about the story, being like, God, I'm really scared. I'm actually about to take the step out of the boat, but I don't know if I can do it. By the grace of God, I was able to take that first step. And as I began meeting with people, I began sharing my vision and what God's been calling me. Surprisingly, people started like catching on to that and like wanting to support me. Like I had one couple, you know, and as, as I shared the vision to them, they're like, you know what, Joel? We believe that our money, more than putting in the bank and getting interest off of it, we feel like it's best used investing in you. And I was like, oh, you know? It was like, that's crazy. Another time, um, a guy out of nowhere that I knew in college many years ago, and we weren't even like best friends. He's like, like an acquaintance. He messages me on Facebook saying, hey, I want to buy you dinner sometime. And I'm like, okay, you know, God's providing food for me at least. Yay! You know, and, and I got together with him. And then... um. And while we're eating, I just feel led to share what's going on in my life and ask actually, potentially, possibly his support. Um, but I didn't want to take advantage of him in this situation because he's already buying me dinner, you know? So I feel so guilty. I'm like, oh. But I'm like, but I'm like, hey, buddy, I know you're, 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 you're treating me out to this, but I also got to share what's, go- what's going on in my heart. And I began sharing, you know, what God's been calling me to. And all of a sudden he goes, he puts his head down and his face gets red. And I'm like, oh, is this something I said? And then he looks up and he's like, do you know why I'm buying you dinner right now? And I was just like, because you're a nice guy, you know? <laughs> and he's like, Holy Spirit actually told me to buy you dinner and said that you had a message to deliver me. And when that happened, I got, I got goosebumps. I was like, oh, you know? <laughs> and then, and then, and he's like, I'm in. I'm your partner. And he supported me for like four years. Like a lot of money each month. Like crazy. Um. You know, um, it's so crazy. I've got like so many hundred stories like this. Um, there was another time when, um, yeah, you know, just there was another time when like I was raising support and, um, um, and like, but then God was also, you know, I, I was, I was challenged to attend this school of worship back in, right in California called Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry, school of worship. I was going to go there. And But it was so much money, you know, and I'm just starting to raise support. It's like, oh, man, like, God, I, I don't need this right now. I don't need to go. You know, I'm good at IHOP right now. I mean, I'll just support raise and be safe. But God's like, you got to go. There's some things I want to show you there. And I'm like, okay, well, it's like $3,000. I only have 1500 in my savings. I need 1500 more. If you're going to make it happen, you got to do it. And then, uh, lo and behold, the day afterwards, my director comes up to me. He slaps me on the shoulder. He's like, ha, ha, guess what came for you in the mail? And I was like, oh, what? And then he's like, oh, check it out. 
and go check it out, and then um, there's a check for 1500 <laughs> like a day or two right afterwards. And I, I saw that, and I was like, actually, I didn't even connect the dots at the time, because honestly, like, I was getting all these, like, people were giving me out of nowhere randomly, like, all of a sudden, and so I just thought it was another, like, kind of check that God gave me. I was being too spoiled with his signs and wonder story, but, um, but like, when that happened, I, I started connecting the dots, and I'm like, snap, I gotta go. I gotta go to California. And then when I told my mom that, my mom was like, yo, you were away for so long. You're back home. Don't go anywhere. And I tell her the story. And I show her the check. She's like, you got to go to California. <laughs> and then I went to California, and it was, it was amazing. But honestly, one of the best decisions I ever made in my ministry life, one of the best decisions, I wish every pastor would go through this sometime in their life, is actually stepping off, being compensated, stepping off the boat, and... And, and, and being able to walk on water and seeing God provide for me in supernatural ways. This is just a tip of the iceberg of all the amazing things God has done in my life. Um, some of you know I'm going back in December. I've been here three and a half years, going back to being a full, half-time pastor and being compensated. Um, but one of the things I mourn is like losing, is, 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 is not being able to raise support anymore. Because God has shown himself so favorably to me. And he's shown himself to me to be the God who provides. And the thing is, as much as this, it's been great, getting like compensated. I mean, getting, getting, uh, getting people um, to support me and everything. And by the way, I've been doing very well support raising. Like God has like blessed me. Ask Tina, you know. Ask any other support staff. You know, uh, I think secretly they're all jealous of me. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I try to coach them. You know, I'm like, hey, you gotta do that. Anyways, uh, it's like one of the best things. That's not the best thing about it. Is not that, but the best thing about it is this knowledge that I've been able to step into that, man, God knows me. <laughs> like, I'm not just another person out of a billion. Like, I can, I can tell, I can talk to you guys one-on-one, -on -one, and I can tell you guys, like, I, if I transport to heaven right now, zzz, zzz, come before God, he would know me. You know? And that is so priceless. That is everything to me. Being able to say, truly, you are the Son of God. Having that kind of revelation and knowing who he is. And so, um, with that said, guys, that's what it's all about in the end. It's about falling in love with God, falling in love with Jesus. As much as, as great as victory is, in the end, it only serves a purpose. Not the end, but a purpose to fall more deeper in love with the Lord. And uh, I believe that's where God wants you to be. He wants you to fall in love with him once again in a fresh and new way. In a way where you think that, man, this stuff was cool, but it, it's, it's so much cooler too. To have this together with you, you know, and know this. This other stuff is, is okay, but man, this is, this is what's really cool. It's just a sign pointing to something even greater in my life. And that's my heart and desire for each and every one of you guys to be able to make the big dream, step out of the boat, look at Jesus, and in the end, come to a place where you're falling so, so much deeper in love with the Lord. To the point where like, man, nothing else in life matters. That you can serve this God for the rest of your life. You can die for this God for the rest of your life. Let's pray.